songs. Three songs. Songs. Three songs. It's three songs. Bobby Mike, it's Bobby Mike. I'm Bobby Mike, it's Bobby Mike. Bobby Mike, it's Bobby Mike. Bobby Mike, it's Bobby Mike. Three songs. Hey everybody, it's Three Songs Podcast, April 23rd, 2018 edition. What are we on, Bob? Episode 68, is that right? Yeah, it was a very good year, yep. (laughs) Episode 68, maybe I should play something from 68. Actually, I don't know, I don't think I am. Are you? 71. Okay, that's close. I think I'm playing something from 70, so we're getting close. There you go, it's close enough, Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. How you doing, Bob Nastanovich? Yeah, really good. I'm sitting outside. A spring has sprung. Beautiful. Yeah, Mr. Ghost and I are out here in the comfort of our back deck, okay. enjoying the spring air. You know, that's great. Got a new, uh, got a new umbrella that I'm sitting under. A new porch umbrella. Very proud of. Yeah. Everything's good. That's good. That's good. Well, I, this I, is I, some I, tunage, you know, n- like knock on wood. I think I think we've made it past the snow. Yeah, no, you know, there, there's no doubt about the fact that that lots of good things are coming your way if you're a weather fan. <laughs> All right, well, uh, at least at least in the next ten days. Nice. Well, we got we got a good show tonight. Uh, I'm going to start it off big. I still haven't decided which which one I'm going to do. I'm going to start with Curtis Mayfield. There you go. <laughs> yep, Ghost likes that. Ghost, Ghost likes Curtis Mayfield. Um, big time. Big time. You know, I'm going to do, this is, like I said, 1970 from the Curtis LP, which is, I have to say, my favorite of his. Superfly is probably what he gets more attention for, but this is my go-to record. Love this record. I wasn't sure which one to play. I could have played Move On Up, which is just nine minutes of solid funk amazingness, but I think I'm going to start it (laughs) off. I'm going to start it off with the, the, the one that kicks off the record, which is actually one I was thinking about playing a few shows ago when we played when I played a few songs of a certain theme. Um, and uh, maybe you'll, you'll get what I mean when I, when I play this one. It's uh, Curtis, don't worry if there's a hell below. We're all going to go. Right, Bob? Uh, apparently. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Last night, I was so depressed. And I turned to the book of Revelation. And if people would just get read the Bible and read the book of Revelation, they would really turn around and straighten up. This is all we need to do is just get the good book and read it and put it to everyday life. Sisters! Niggas! Don't worry, if there's hell below, we're all 
things off big bob man from the mean streets of chicago <laughs> you know classic like, stuff. Uh, cabrini green that guy yeah that's classic classic stuff that whole record beginning to end just amazing amazing stuff i was gonna play the nine minute long move on up which has e- yeah an even heavier groove in my opinion um You'd say he's most famous for People Get Ready, right? That's like his uh, most recognizable song, probably. People Get Ready was his first band, right? I thought it was that. I don't don't know know, how the songs were listed. I think. You know, first of all, he could play guitar and keyboards and sing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, he he was so, and in that live. The monster, monster, important part of the civil rights movement. Yeah. I mean,. He was. He brought the politics to funk. He he really did, and he brought the politics to the mainstream too. Yeah, because he was a huge artist. He was not like, you know, some, you know, side, you know, underground. Yeah, he's a huge artist, and yeah. representing the housing projects in in America, especially Chicago. Now, fellow diabetic as well, you know. Yeah, and you know, a, he was. Would have done him in. He also had a horrible incident. Um, That's yeah, electrocuted yeah. on stage. Yeah, Put him I in saw a that once. I saw something similar one time uh. somewhere in Europe. The uh, lighting trestle during a windstorm is in Germany. Uh, fell like uh, I don't think there was a band on stage. I think it was between bands. It was the whole thing fell. No, it was in Spain. It was in Spain, Oof. and the whole lighting trestle fell down, and. I think that I know that one of our roadies in payment, Andy Dimmick, was on stage and missed him by like four inches. Like he would have gotten his head cut off. And I saw him like uh, maybe a half hour afterwards. And he's a very, very tough, tough hombre. And I've never seen him look like that. He was terrified. This guy got he got hit. The thing fell. I don't know why it fell, but he got Curtis Mayfield got pretty bad i think it was 90 pretty yeah. badly electrocuted he li- yeah. lived for like almost 10 more years yeah yeah and i think he died of a like a heart attack or something right yeah they say yeah it was you know diabetes type thing but yeah well, which you know, it affects the old heart but sure um 
But anyways. So, so yeah, the, uh, anyway, the, the Impressions were his first group with Jerry Butler, and that, that's where they recorded People Get Ready. I think he wrote it and sang it. Oh, uh, okay, okay, yeah. Now, he's one of these kids that, like, comes from the, you know, I guess found peace and playing music, gospel music, and then he started playing funk with his friends, and then, you know, he started singing about, you know, things that were important to him, which were life from the projects yeah i mean after like the impression stuff is good but after he left the impressions he did he did curtis which is that that record the first song on that record is the one i just played um he did a live record live at the the bitter end i think it was an amazing amazing live record that's that's in my opinion one of the best live records ever and then he put out an album called roots and then he put out superfly the soundtrack to superfly which i think is probably what he's best known for right yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, definitely. But but Roots is an amazing record too. It's got we got to have peace and beautiful brother of mine and uh, get down, which I could have played that song. Amazing groove on that song too. Just, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's not like I'm turning the world on to an artist that they haven't heard before. But maybe there are a few people out here that haven't delved as deeply as they. They, they could into into Curtis. Well, I certainly haven't delved as deeply as you have. By so. all means, the, that Superfly, you know, it's a you know, I guess the most famous black exploitation film. You know, like yeah. uh, the soundtrack. I mean, it's 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 not just that song. That whole soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, you know, the three the soundtrack period, makes the film. Soundtrack makes for the film. sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Three year period. There was no greater artist. I say than Curtis from like 70 to 72. Just amazing, amazing run of records there. Well, if he died in 99, I guess the party did die in 1999. So, you know, I guess Prince was right. That's right. That's right. Oh, he he died like a few days before too, right? Yeah, right around Christmas time. So, yeah. So, I guess, you know, maybe Prince was parting in Curtis Mayfield's honor with the song, you know, 1999. And, and speaking of Prince, I hear it's, it's today, April 23rd, two days, or two days, two years to the day since Prince died. So, uh, Goodness me. Yeah. Anyway, where he died. You? He died, Brad. He, was, he must have, was he in his 60s? Pretty close. Or late 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Same kind of age, same, same age, and, and yeah. uh, similar amazing contribution to music. So, yeah. Well, you know, probably better known these days. Oh, no, least, no doubt but, about it. Better known all the all the way through. Although, yeah. you know, Curtis Mayfield is, you know, is you know formidable and and very well respected as he should be. Yeah, for sure. You know? All right, where are you going there, Bob? I'm gonna take us to outer space. <laughs> I'm gonna take us to a band that was actually founded in Shreveport, Louisiana. And um, I think when they were like, you know, young adults or teenagers, they decided to hell with this place. Which, have you been to Shreveport? No. Kind of understand where they're coming from there. Okay. Um, and they and they packed everything they had in their van and they headed to San Francisco. Yeah, I know. And on, on the way out there, right? Yeah. On the way out to San Francisco, their van broke down not far from San San Francisco in San Mateo. And they said, well, hell, let's settle here. And it's a very strange band. I know you're aware of them, The Residents. Yeah. 
you know, they're I guess they're most famous for playing their concerts in these really <laughs> freaky eye eyeball masks. Yeah. Right. Which can conceal their identity, which has always been like, you know, pretty concealed, but like you know, if you delve deep delve deep in the uh, internet age you can see what these dudes look like. Do but it wasn't until seventy nine What's that? Do you know how do you know how they got their name? No. So the story goes, this may or may not be true, but I believe it. It seems like it, it follows what, you know, their their whole story is. Um, the residents. Yeah. yeah. They, the residents, when they were first sending out demo tapes of their, their early recordings to try and get a record deal, they sent it to a bunch of different record labels. And of course, because they didn't identify who they were, they didn't really put Anything about the band, anything about the the artists, the recordings, maybe they had just a list of the songs. And so they got a return uh, letter sent back from one of the labels, and it was addressed to the residents. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense, isn't it? Because <laughs> they, you know, it was like, yeah, it, it makes just, complete all, sense. All they it's gave like, was an address. Nice yeah. It's nice to know that record labels were actually listening to the things people sent them back then. Right. <laughs> They'd write you responses. Know, as opposed to now, right. I imagine like just about every like record label office just has this insane pile well, that like, you know, that nobody ever listens to. These days it might be a digital pile, but yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. Well, I think it's always a good idea to send, like, you know, something physical, but the Lord knows I've failed in all my missions, like, trying to help out my buddies that play music, so, but anyways, this little residence, like, uh, they made over, I think they have, like, 60 recordings, like, a huge amount, I don't know how active they are these days, but this is probably, like, Duckstab is, like, kind of recognized as, like, I guess their most listenable era, would have been, like, 79. Yeah. And this is a song called The Laughing Song by The Residents.
<laughs> I don't even know what to say to that, Pop. So <laughs> educate me on the It's a strange band. Very strange band. They, absolutely. And, you know, I'll be honest. I, I've, they're a band that I've heard, and obviously am familiar with, and have heard a number of their records. And for whatever reason, I've found them a little bit impenetrable because I haven't, They've got so many records, and I, I just, I, I'm not sure I found the right avenues in. I, they have so many side projects, and I, I, it was hard for me to wrap my head around where to start with the residents. So, I mean, they're relentless, and they can't stop being weird. And they're, I mean, like, they celebrate their weirdness, like, you know, on a constant basis. A little or they like, they did, or they do their whole way through. I mean, like, you know, I don't even know who's alive or dead. They, you know, these people, they're, they're very mysterious artists. Like in some ways, like sometimes I think about like Flipper, even though they're nothing mm -hmm. like Flipper and like Devo, even though they're like, you know, not, not really like Devo. I think they're just like, I, you know, sometimes like Perubu. Like, I don't even really know what, to, I don't, I don't think like, I think that they're, they're just like intentionally wildly original in my mind i think of them and and not even necessarily musically but maybe like in terms of approach i think of them similarly as someone like frank zappa yeah who, no definitely yeah who yeah or it, captain b fardo i think that they i think they knew him and you know yeah. and played played with him i mean the sense that i get is from album to album you have no idea what they're going to necessarily sound like. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, like, I haven't heard that much myself, but I have heard that, and I like that. Well, all right. So does Ghost. Yeah, that's basically it, you know. <laughs> yeah, do you want a real Ghost in? Ghost is on one. Uh, all right, well, I, I, I'm going to go... You all right with Ghost? Or I'm, all right. I'm all right with Ghost. No, Ghost Ghost can rock it. Uh, this this yeah, one will get Ghost amped pumped. up. He's pretty pumped. This will get, this will get Ghost amped up. This is, this is from New York in the late 70s. This is an early punk rock 7-inch. This is kind of an aggressive punk rock 7-inch. Oh, Lord. Somewhat of an obscure artist who, if you know anyone who knows them, know know this band for a number of reasons one be because they're either you know early fans of new york punk seven inches or they heard a cover of this song done by the band urge overkill who put this i think they did a cover of this record on that 10 inch what was that 10 inch that they put out with the was it stull Do you know that i don't know i don't know you familiar with that record though I'm familiar. I remember that Urge Overkill had a 10-inch, but my yeah. recall is not that sharp on on UO's career. Yeah, this would have been like 91, 92. Yeah, I've been around those lads. In fact, that would have been the time that like many nights at, I believe it was called the Dalmatia Hotel in London that had like eight rooms. Like We would be in two rooms and Urge Overkill would have the other six for their party. And <laughs> On the staircase, I could see that coming home from our show, like covered in sweat, they were like looking pretty and ready to like work the London late night. <laughs> you know, well, there's a certain amount of friendliness and like there's a certain amount of like you know we don't do what you do. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. you know, yeah. go do your thing. You know, 
good to see you. Ha ha. Right. You know, right. See in the, see in the breakfast room at nine, maybe you, we'll be there. You probably won't be. You mean you didn't have the leisure suits? I would imagine urge overkill were rock in the leisure suits. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Well, they covered this song. This the is leisure a song. suits. Yeah. From 1977 by a band called Alan Millman sect. It's called. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stitches, stitches. A I want band that tried a band trying to make Urge Overkill cool. Yeah, stitches. I want to kill somebody. This is some punk rock. Ghosty, Ghosty will get amped. I, I, I guarantee it. Here you go. <laughs> So much of the early punk rock stuff sounds a little tame these days, both musically and lyrically. Lyrically, that's the sort of thing that still can scare your parents, right? Yeah, it's vicious. <laughs> I want to yeah. kill somebody. I mean, for a band that for for a band that build themselves as the Long Island middle class Jew boys, right? Well, and and here's the thing: they were doing that. That song came out in what seventy seven, I think. And they're singing about I want to kill somebody, and they're singing about Pika Punk, Pika Punk, Manson family, and Son of Sam. Son of Sam was like still David Berkowitz. Fresh. David Berkowitz. Yeah, he was commanded by his dog, like I am. Yeah, 
<laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a good thing you don't listen to Bragsy. I know. I listen to Mr. Ghost. Mr. Ghost tells me what to do. One of these Son of Sam murders was right down the street from my house, in fact. Uh, really? Yeah. I passed by it almost every day, so... That was a terrifying time. Right. That's the thing. That's what I'm yeah, saying. It's New like, York was so New York was so on edge. On edge. And there yeah. this band is like writing songs into the teeth of that. You know? <laughs> like, wow. I mean I mean, I think they were kind of like um pretty sarcastic, you know. I, I yeah, like, I, I guess so. But I mean, you're putting that record on in your room and you're a teenager and you're mom or dad walks in i mean that's the sort of thing that like makes you well parents... sure you know but i think like i think they were just like having fun I think yeah just, like... sure sure yeah i i i you know i mean i think that was on the same seven inch as a song called punk rock christmas which you know was maybe yeah and you are right like stall it is on it covered on the stall ep just that yeah. you know i mean regardless of the approach or the subject matter just a, a catchy good punk rock song in my opinion oh yeah definitely no doubt about it um from a band that most people don't know yeah take me to london oh no i don't think i don't think anybody really knows the alan millman sect (laughs) except for you and like a hundred other people okay take me take me to london bob and and maybe i guess like if their avenue of getting known is being covered by urge overkill on the stall ep then more power to goodness me you know (laughs) Right, Alan. What was the other guy's name? Doug Kazam. Doug Kazam. What a name! <laughs> His real name, Doug Kazam. <laughs> you don't need a punk yes. rock name if you've got a name like Doug Kazam. Should have been a DJ. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I'll take us to London. Uh, it's actually a band that you introduced me to somehow through a twist. You know, like turning me on to uh, United States of America about thirty shows ago. Oh yeah, yeah. And I bought their uh, album and like listened to it. And like, you know, it's a good like, record. You know, there's got to be other things that are sort. Yeah, great record. You know, Garden of Earthly Delights, fantastic song. Yeah. And there's actually a few other good songs on that record that you recommended it holds to up. me. Which is yeah. is it self-titled? It is self-titled. Their only record, yeah. I believe. Yeah, great record. They're from L.A. That's right. And I don't think that they directly influence this band. I'm going to play Curve Dare, but they are known as being like one of a handful of prog rock bands that um, that uh, that that use the violin, mm. yeah, and like and and they have a female singer and she's fantastic. And um, let me get uh, her name is Sonia Christina, and uh, this is a band that Stuart Copeland from the Police played, a, I think, a bunch of gigs with. I don't know, right? You know, I guess. In fact, that's how how. I think most people know them, but it's not that's not really fair because he was only in the band briefly or whatever. And they're still playing. They're still playing shows. And like we're talking a band that was like in existence in the late sixties, early seventies. And I know Sonia um still gets up there and sings with one or two original members, one of those type deals. But this is off their wonderful album. From and they actually had chart success over there. In fact, their biggest hit, Backstreet Love was pretty high on the singles chart in the early 70s. I'm going to play a song called Propositions off their album Air Conditioning. This is Curved Air.
prog rock. Yeah, I thought I'd blow you up a little uh, London psych tonight. Uh, <laughs> I like that. So, I, you know, it's they're a band that I've heard of, but you're right. It's it's only because as a footnote of a band that Stuart Copeland played with before, obviously before the police. Um, so do they all sound like that? Is it all kind of that, that upbeat? No, no, stuff? no. That's one of the most chaotic ones. Okay. Yeah, that one's like that one's a little bit more frenzied. I like frenzied. Yeah, no, that's why I played it. You know, I know you like frenzied. I, I had a choice between four or five songs that I really like that I've listened to in the last ten days, and I've got their album on the way, Air Conditioning, because I really dug it. Cool. And um, and you know, again, you don't have to pay much for it or anything like that, so it's cool. And uh, um, looking forward to to when it comes in the mail. Curved air. Curved air. Okay, well, you have to tell me. So, uh, do you know all their other albums well, or just that one? Or? Nah, just that one. Uh, okay. I mean, there's a couple. I mean, I've listened to like twenty songs. Okay. Yeah, they're new to me. Okay. But they're, they're not new, new to, to the world. No. It's like like, I, like I've never listened to Vandergroff Generator. Have you? No. Well, I have, and like I've never actually. Found, like I like Gong, like I own Gong records, but like I've never found an avenue into Vandergroff Generator. Like no way I get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's like you like like you like at any point in your life you listen to these bands that like you know that you hear of or like you you know your friends are into or you know you know whatever or that you're into or you know any of my other influential music friends and like you know you kind of decide for yourself like what you like what you don't like so i do like myself some curved air cool well I'll, and i like the band name as well curved air i do like that band name yeah me me too because it's it's got that if you say it fast enough you don't know what the name of the band is is it curved air curved, so, curved air curved air curved air like it could be french curved curved air curved air yeah, yeah. uh all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it in the UK, I think maybe even in London, to be honest. Um, there we go. Maybe, maybe not. Jesus, I don't know. I didn't do my research. I'm sorry. Um, They're racing at Windsor today. Free entry. Yeah. Huge crowd. Huge crowd in on a. There's a tradition in in the London area. Um, they race on Monday nights at Windsor, and it's kind of a, a wonderful little party. They deliver everybody in for free, and there's it was mobbed. Night which racing, I could have been there. Huh? Night race. It's a great. It's a great race course because you can take a boat from central London. You can take a boat ride to the race course. Really, but a twenty-five minute boat ride. Really, wow. Yeah, it's, so it's kind of like back in the day when when I lived in New York, you could take on on Tuesdays. Monmouth race. Monmouth race course would race on Tuesdays, and you could take um, a boat from South Street Seaport. Because New York wasn't racing to Monmouth, it was actually a hydrofoil. Crazy. Yeah, go to the OTB down there and board a boat for like five. I think it was like less than ten bucks, and there was a bar on the boat. Really? Yeah, I took Malkmus a couple of times, and like, thankfully, um, Monmouth Park at the time—I don't know if they do anymore. More, they had a game room with pinball machines, and like, I would just bet the races, and he would play pinball all day. <laughs> That's fine. You know, 
know. And he'd be like, you lost $80. Like, I just lost like $9 on pinball. Let's go home. (laughs) You know. Uh, all right well while you were talking about monmouth and malkmus uh i I looked anyways next time you're in london on on like a you know monday midday then take take the boat from central london to windsor Racecourse. it's like walking to paradise okay deal yeah well put um, it on your list put it on your list of things to do i will i will put it on my list uh so i looked it up this band is actually from coventry oh Yeah. yeah Um, yep. the primitives. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play. If you'll, if you'll indulge me, as as you often. When am I not indulged? I know that's the thing, and okay. you know, yeah. I'll just say I'm sorry, but I'm gonna play two. I'm gonna play two. For I never apologize. Well, uh, I, I apologizing for or is for what you've, you know, things that you've done badly. Have you? Well, I've played a few songs. You or didn't people like. you've offended. You know, and you strike me as not a very offen- offensive guy. I, I played a, f- a couple songs you did not like, Bob. So for that, I apologize. Yeah, but, well, no, but we're talking at this point. We're talking. You played like uh, 250 songs on the show, <laughs> and like you know, your strike rate's like 244 for 250. <laughs> That's not bad. Well, for, for that, I mean? one of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the inflatable boy boy clams on you. I don't know if you're familiar with that band. I have heard of that band. I've heard but, of that band. But yeah, yeah, they they have a song called "I'm Sorry" that I'll I'll play for you at some point. But it's another okay. show in the future. Nay. For now, in the future, play the primitives in the meantime. For now, I'll play the primitives. Um, Take us to Coventry, mate. I will play. I'll play something from their first seven inch, 1985, on Lazy Records. This is a this is across my shoulder. So they, of course, had a huge hit with Crash 
you know that song. Yeah, right? Crash, very yeah. huge hit. Yeah. yeah, 1988. That was from their first record. Um, They're a very stylish band. Very like in tune with mid '80s, late '80s English style. Yeah, you know, like Jesus and Mary Chain, Soup Dragons, sort of Jesus yeah. and Mary Chain. Yeah. Wedding present. Yeah. Even the Smiths. I mean, the Smiths were huge fans. Yep. Well, John Peel was a big fan too. Um, so, so that's that was uh, lead vocals by a woman named Tracy Tracy, which is, I think, a fantastic rock name. Double Trace. Yep. <laughs> the Double Tracy. So, uh, yes. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play one more song. This is from their third seven inch, 1987, before their first LP, which had Crash, their big hit. Um, this is one that uh, one of the guys sings. I'm not even sure which one. It's a, it's a rarity. Most of the songs were sung by Tracy, Tracy times two. Uh, but this is this is maybe one of my favorite songs of theirs. It's called Laughing Up My Sleeve. It's a little sarcastic, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun one. So Cool. Yeah, enjoy.
feedback there at the end. Oh, what a screamer. Hope your ears are okay. They don't work, mate. (laughs) (laughs) They don't work. So, so Anyways, the primitives. You're doing okay, yeah. The primitives. Uh, you know, so. I think they must have. I think that they inspired a lot of bands to be bands. Yeah, I mean, you know, they just there's nothing deep about them. They're just a fun, good rock band that wrote catchy songs and had a little bit of success in the mid '80s. And I think they're still around. Well, they had a lot of success. They they're still playing. Success. They're still touring, and you know, they're still making good music. So, more power to them. Go for it. Um, I'm going to take us to a, uh, a place. These are good friends of mine. Um, Silkworm. Good band. A band that, a band that uh, I had the pleasure of playing with many times. Good, in fact, good um, our singer, Steve Malkmus, uh, played in a band with them called Crust Brothers. Crust Brothers. And I think they do like Silkworm covers and pavement covers and rock and roll covers. I think they even made up a few originals when they were living in Seattle when he first went out to Portland. Really great people. Um, Andy Cohen, in fact, uh, the singer and guitar player, got really into horse racing for a while. He's way into cigars. And he would come to the Derby and the Breeders' Cup and stuff. And It was always kind of fun to have him there because he just wanted to cash a bet. <laughs> You know, which, like many people, had often eluded him. But uh, he was intrigued by horse racing, uh, mostly through me, like a blithering idiot, trying to, you know, tell him how fantastic it was. He he bought he bought my jive, (laughs) and uh, but anyways, um, good friends with all of them. Tim Tim Midget, you know, like fantastic guy, Mm -hmm. and uh, and then you know, sadly, Michael Dahlquist. One of the saddest experiences I had. I was actually living in Chicago in 2005, and I was driving to the movies, and I got in a massive traffic jam um, near Skokie, Illinois. So living in the living in the burbs near Arlington, I found out the next day that the traffic jam was because Michael had been killed. Yeah, he'd been ki- killed in a tragic car accident. Right, and. Uh, he was a he's a drummer in the band and, and he was uh, his father who looked exactly like Santa Claus would come to many of the shows any show we played on the West Coast he'd be there it's a band that started in Missoula Montana as University of Montana students and then worked their way to Seattle and eventually ended up in Chicago became very good friends with Steve Albini who produced most of their records yeah and they run Matador for a while and like eventually they're on Touch and Go like. But Michael, who was building microphones for, for sure, microphones, S-H-U-R-E, the pretty famous microphone company, was like on his lunch break and he got hit by a a car, a high a car going at a very high speed. Young woman, right? And he and, yeah, he and two of his buddies got, got killed. Right. And um, it was you know, yeah, a horrible scene. But anyways, this, this band made a lot of fantastic songs. They were... They were I think that, you know, they fall in the category to me as a band that um, was really excellent live. Um, really excellent live. And I'm not sure that Albini, although he was probably the, one of their biggest fans, I'm not sure if he captured it particularly well. To me, like, I'm, you know, not to diss him. Um, 
But uh, I always thought that their live show was better than their records. But this is one of my favorite um, songs on record by them. It was made in 2000 when they, when they had switched from Matador to Touch and Go. Imagine feeling like they'd be more of a priority at Touch and Go, yeah. which perhaps they were. But this is off their album Lifestyle, and it's a song called Slave Wages. Beneath a house of conga drums, scat borrowed lines from another time, and every last soul in the last exit hall wants to take me back, take me back with him. Living in a walk-in closet, the copper clots, the cat has had shots, the sad, sad listing in the pages of some real estate agent is just starting out. Underrated band. That's a theme. Oh, great band, great band. Yeah. Right? We, we play a lot of bands we think are underrated, but I think that's true. So cool. Well, they were so good live. Yeah. In fact, I, uh, playing with the three of them was amazing because they, they were just like the most reliable support band you could ever possibly hope for. Like, in fact, they would play, the one time they played a show in sailor suits, they 
on the West Coast. We're on the West Coast with them, and they 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 bought that whatever. And they they were just tour with Tim's wife, whose name escapes me. I'm ashamed of that because uh, it would just be a they'd be a, a four person touring group, and she would tour manage and sell the merch. There's a great documentary about them that a, a buddy of mine from Nashville named uh, uh, Tim Williams made. Um, called "Couldn't You Wait: The Story of Silkworm." Really good. I think it came out of about five years ago, and um, pretty much like you know everything you need to know. But they have like a a great fan base. I think they're you know their fans are you know they do have fans you know and they were so loved and they're so good. They deserved it. You know a lot of great songs and um, oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be associated with all three of those lads. You know. And, I miss them, you know, like, God, uh, just good people. Just good, good, good band, good band. And you can, you know, I mean, at the time. I remember playing with Dahlquist. Dahlquist such a good drummer. Huge guy, such incredibly long arms. Like, like he finished, like, I'd be like, that was great. And so it's like, well, you got the drums covered tonight. Now we have to play, you know. Me and Wes look at him like, whoa, you know. That's, <laughs> you know, one of those guys. He's absolutely brilliant drummer, you know, right. fantastic. But love him. Right. Right. Well, thank you for reminding. I mean, it's been a few years since I've listened to Silkworm, but I've always enjoyed them. So uh, I think I know what I'm going to listen to tomorrow. Yeah. Well, next time you have an idle hour or two, just like I think you can probably watch that documentary on the YouTube or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Yeah. And, I'm sure. Yeah. Good story. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, friends and fans interviewed during it, you know. So it's a good way to celebrate them. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for the reminder, Bob. Thanks for the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll do this again soon. All right, man. Have a great night. You too.